When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode is sponsored by Mack Weldon. Whatever you're wearing right now, Mack Weldon is better. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, especially good for the summer. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they'll still refund you, no questions asked. Mack Weldon sent my husband some fresh, brand new, shiny underwear, and he's been a big fan of those. They have great socks. I have tried out some Mack Weldon sweatpants and everything. The material has been comfortable and soft and luxurious, and it's held up really well. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know Jeff enjoyed his also. Try Mack Weldon for yourself. Get 20% off your first order by visiting MacWeldon.com and enter promo code BOOKRIOT at checkout. That's MacWeldon at... M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N dot com and enter promo code BOOKRIOT at checkout for 20% off your first order. This is the Book Riot Podcast, (laughs) a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 272. We're recording on Friday, August 3rd. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, and as you now know, I'm here with Jen Northington. Surprise! We're coming to you from bookriot.com while Jeff is out this week. Jen! Hello! Hi! How's it going? It's good. How are you? I am very good. I am glad to hear it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, before we kick off the news of the week, we have a cool giveaway for a podcast, another podcast that you run. Yes, I do. I thought you would tell us about. I would love to tell you about it. It is the recommended giveaway in honor of season three, which is forthcoming. It will run September through November, and we just wrapped up season two this week. Uh, We decided that we're going to give away 16 of the books featured on the most recent season of the recommended podcast. And what that means is, if you haven't listened to it, recommended features interesting people talking about their favorite books. Um, A lot of them are amazing authors. So we are giving away books both written by and recommended by some of the author guests. Um, There's a full list of the titles on the giveaway page, and you can check it out, but I'm really excited about a lot of these books. Um, Lauren Graff's Florida is on there. The Complete uh, Series by Seba Tahir is on there, and then Seba had picked an... um, excuse me, The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. And so that is in there too. So it's books that the authors wrote and then ones that they love. So it's a really nice mix. So you should go to, or excuse me, bookriot.com slash recommended three to enter. And that ends on August 31st. You should definitely do that. And if you're not listening to recommended already, you should get on that action. 
It's good. I really enjoy putting it together and listening to it, honestly. Yeah, I had a blast. I got to produce one of the shows um, this season, or in the second season, I got to produce a show with Walter Mosley and Dory Shapir. Yes. And it was so, Walter Mosley is just my favorite. Yeah. Um, he's so great to talk to, but that was a really fun one. And you've had such great guests on. Yeah, we, get, we had a really good, I mean, we've had all of the seasons so far have been amazing. It's the best excuse ever to like email a favorite author and be be like, hi, do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> come talk to me about books. Come talk to me about books. It, it's amazing how often it works. <laughs> Living the dream for yes. real. Yes. Uh, we have, let's see, some Muppet Arm confetti cannon news. I am doing the Muppet Arm. Yay, to start off. Um, a Book Riot contributor, uh, Katrina, oh, sorry, it's Karina. I'm so sorry. I butchered her name from the beginning. Karina Jan Glaser, uh, who is a middle grade author. She has The Vanderbeekers of 141st Street was her first book. And just yesterday, news broke that it has been optioned by Amy Poehler's production company, Paper Kite Productions. Uh, Karina's been writing for us at Book Riot for a long time. She is in charge of our kids and middle grade newsletter called The Kids Are All Right, and uh, which is a wonderful uh, resource about kids in middle grade books, but she's just terrific. The book was a New York Times notable children's book of 2017. It got starred reviews all over the place. The paperback is coming out next month on September 4th, and the sequel, The Vanderbeekers and the Hidden Garden, is out on September 25th. So we could not be more excited for Karina or happy to be shooting our confetti cannons for her today. I'm the most excited. I don't know if you saw this, but on her Instagram, when she posted the news, she said she got to have coffee with Amy Poehler and <gasps> I died. What? Like that means that we are now one degree away from Amy Poehler because Karina and I went to the National Book Awards together a couple years ago. Oh, she was right. she was my date to the National Book Awards. So I'm now, I am now one degree away from Amy Poehler, which just makes my life. That's just the best. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, super happy for Karina. It's well-deserved. And I can't wait to see that come to oh. film. Like it's going to be really interesting to see how they adapt it because it's such a lovely book. It really is. If you're not familiar with the book, it's about a family named the Vanderbeekers who have always lived in the same brownstone on 141st Street. Um, and it's like this home is practically a member of their family. So when their landlord decides not to renew their lease, the five siblings have less than two weeks to do whatever they have to do to stay in their home and convince the dreaded landlord just how wonderful they are. Mm -hmm. It says all is fair in love and war when it comes to keeping their home. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Yay, Karina. We love mm -hmm. you. Congratulations. Yes. Many congrats. So that is Super fun. Do you want to tell me? I'm doing this first sponsor. Never mind. <laughs> do you want to tell me about I, our next sponsor? I do. I've been all over the place, both like literally and geographically. <laughs> you <laughs> were stuck on a plane because of lightning. Oh boy, it's been a week. We're recording a day late. I'm dog sitting. So if you hear barking in the background, it's because my new friend is not happy about being in her crate right now. It's just it's just a morning. Uh, but I'm going to unwind later listening to an audiobook, and I can do that. That with the help of Google Play, 
Support for today's show comes from Google Play. Did you know that you can now download and listen to audiobooks on Google Play? They have hands-free listening using Google Assistant or Chromecast, so you can enjoy thousands of titles a la carte. There's no subscription necessary. There's even multi-device integration across the Google ecosystem. So if you want to bounce from, you know, like your Google Home Assistant to your Android phone back and forth or share audiobooks between family members who all have the same Google account, you can totally do that. We've gotten, um, Jeff and I got promo codes for Google Play audiobooks, and I picked up Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, which I read years ago and loved, and it was like very formative in my appreciation for him, obviously, but also in my understanding of food writing and loving food memoirs. And I haven't brought myself to click Aww. play on it yet because I'm just not quite ready. But the whole process was really smooth. Um, getting into the Google Play ecosystem, downloading the audiobooks, just the shopping experience was really pleasant. And it is really nice that you can just get an audiobook. You don't have to have a complicated subscription. Um, I love memoirs on audio and nonfiction. I like to you know drive around feeling like I'm talking to or listening to really a smart, interesting friend. Um, and I know that the Bourdain book will ring those bells once again. Um, but summer especially, I think, with road trips and family vacations and maybe doing extra chores or getting ready to back to school, whatever it is, there are just plenty open moments in the day that you can find to listen to audiobooks and just get a little more bookiness in your daily life. So for a limited time, you, Book Riot listeners, can get $10 off your first audiobook from Google Play by visiting g.co slash play slash book riot. That's g.co slash play slash book riot for $10 off. Find your story with audiobooks on Google Play. All right. What do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about headlines that are not surprising? <laughs> yeah, for 500, Alex. Like, <laughs> what, what? The least surprising headline I've seen in a while. Barnes & Noble <laughs> says that sales of books related to anxiety are soaring. Surprise! <laughs> books related to anxiety are up more than 25% through this June from a year ago. And the quote here is, <laughs> we may be living in an anxious nation. <laughs> I Like, I turned into that thinking face emoji when I saw that. I just, like, I became that emoji when I saw like, that quote. Like, do you... Do you do think? You th do you think that's what's happening? It's, that's, yeah. What, is a, the, what an insight that is. <laughs> I'm sorry. The whole nation is just that gif of the dog in the yes. room on fire going, this is fine. Yes. Yes. Uh, so if you are feeling this in your reading life, you're not alone. Uh, shoppers are increasingly looking at workbooks to help them cope with anxiety, according to Barnes & Noble's Senior Director of Merchandising, Liz Hardwell. Uh, she says, although times may be tough, the good news is that book buyers across the country are also looking for solutions to their stress, um, and particularly interesting that books can be a solution uh, to this kind of stress. Maybe you're in the market. So top-selling titles based on Barnes & Noble's sales data include the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook by Edmund Bourne, the Anxiety Toolkit, Strategies for Fine-Tuning Your Mind and Moving Past Your Stuck Points by Alice Boys, and the Anxiety and Worry Workbook, The Cognitive Behavioral Solution by David Clark and Aaron Beck. Um, 
you know, Barnes and Noble has been facing their own interesting struggles this year, but it's always interesting to me when we get book sales data that reflects something that's going on in like broader cultural consciousness. Uh, and certainly an increase in anxiety is something that we've been hearing about. Um, I guess not unrelated, sales of books related to finding happiness are also up. They're up 83% from a year ago. Any port in a storm. <laughs> I guess if you're an author looking for a way to like game an online algorithm with your self-published book, you could do worse than like find happiness and cure anxiety. Right. <laughs> and easy Instant bestseller. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I'm always interested to see sales data from Barnes and Noble specifically because you know, they inhabit a very particular spot in the book sales ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So it, it like, you know, there's a lot of like very casual book buyers who wander in and, you know, it's not necessarily like the hardcore readers. And so the fact that it's specifically like anxiety workbooks was very mm -hmm. interesting to me um, because I know, you know, in terms of like what people are asking for recommendations of on things like the Get Booked show, you know, we get a lot of like, I just need something fun. Or I want to read more about this particular situation that mm -hmm. I'm reading about in the headlines and like where's the background books for that. But there's I don't know that there's like an easy way to measure that. Right. So seeing that it's, you know, anxiety and phobia workbooks like that makes yeah. perfect sense to me as like a corollary to the other <laughs> anecdata that I have. Yeah. And I wonder, too, if it's like our therapists recommending Ooh, these workbooks yeah. to, you know, these workbooks to people. I do remember from my time as a Barnes and Noble bookseller, they, they, people like to browse the self-help section. Mm. There's something about like, you know, you want to pick up that anxiety book and flip through it and see if it, if you're going to relate to it, if it seems to ring your bells and solve your problems. But um, seeing Aaron Beck's name here, um, he's one of the co-authors of the Anxiety and Worry Workbook, The Cognitive Behavioral Solution made me think about like, oh, maybe these are coming from people seeking, you know, sort of professional mental health support in the current uh, state of anxiety that the nation is living in. Because um, Aaron Beck was one of the creators of cognitive behavioral therapy, which uh, is has a lot of interesting research behind it for depression and anxiety. Um, but like the, the systematic approach of a workbook seems different to me than just like people are reading self-help. Mm -hmm. Like a workbook is a, is actually like doing the work as opposed to just reading about the concepts or maybe having a few exercises woven through as some of the other books about these kinds of things do. So yeah. Where do we read like reports on whether or not therapists income have skyrocketed in the past <laughs> year? Like where I is mean, that report? Anecdotally, my therapist <laughs> has said that like every therapist she knows has not had any trouble staying busy since, yeah. <laughs> since the last election. That would not surprise me. <laughs> Uh, so I wonder, mm. it's, it was just interesting to me that these were, that the top selling titles were workbooks. Yeah. Cause I could also see you being like, well, I can't afford therapy, but I can go mm. get a workbook, right? Like right, that's right. a good alternate option if yeah. you can't afford therapy, which should be affordable to everyone. And sadly it's right. not, yeah. Like going to Barnes and Noble and being like, all right, where, where are the workbooks at? Like that right, seems yeah. also possible it's to me. The DIY so. approach. <laughs> So we'll have this link and all the links will be in the show notes if you want to revisit any of those titles. Um, booksellers in other locations, I'd be interested to know too if you're uh, experiencing this. But like a, an anxiety workbook is something that's kind of unique to 
what a big chain bookstore like mm. Barnes and Noble can offer. You were talking about their unique spot in the ecosystem of book selling, but like most indie bookstores have a self-help section, but I don't think really have a like a large enough space to have a mental health section that includes a bunch of different options for anxiety workbooks. So it's also the kind of thing that like if you wanted to pick them up and browse them, going into a Barnes and Noble um, is like one of your only places to do that physically if you're not browsing online. Yeah, it's a good point. I was thinking when I read that, like I've worked for a lot of indie bookstores and I cannot remember ever stocking an anxiety workbook ever. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, lots of books about dealing with anxiety or like memoirs about mm-hmm. anxiety. What's the monkey mind one I'm thinking oh, of? Oh, yeah. Monkey mind was good. Yeah. So like there are a lot of great uh, like personal narratives around and t- with tips and techniques, but that's not at all the same thing as a workbook. So it's a good mm-hmm. point. That's interesting. So that's that news. Should we just stay in the vein of big box book selling? Yeah, for a let's bit? talk about Books a Million, this Tell promotion. <laughs> so, so Books a Million this past week um, on Wednesday, August 1st, invited its Alabama readers to a new promotion where you could get a book for one penny per page at all of the Alabama locations. Um, And the chief marketing officer said the company wanted a new way to engage customers. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, And the sale was limited to one book per transaction and one transaction per person, which makes sense because, Mm -hmm. boy, could you lose a lot of money on this kind of promotion. Um, And it included all fiction and nonfiction books, but excluded kids' books, which is both interesting to me and a little said, like, you could get a kid's, like, a picture book is 36 pages. Like, that's how long a picture book right and i would think that you would want to include kids books but i'm not in charge of this promotion so (laughs) um and then i found this follow-up about it where apparently they they sold over 35,000 books during the promotion on august 1st um over 1 million people were reached on social media with a shareable campaign i don't know what that means exactly (laughs) but um but yeah so the sale went well and this is interesting stores saw guests pay it forward by covering the cost of the person behind them in line i'm sure those lines were epic um it said actually that friendships were made while waiting in line as well including an invitation to an engaged couple's upcoming wedding like like, hello, the South. Like, what? What is happening here? <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And the top five authors, this is not surprising data to mm-hmm. me. The top five authors were Stephen King, Joanna Gaines, James Patterson, Michael Crichton, and Nora Roberts. Yep. So that's, this is just, this is very interesting to me. I mean, I'm not surprised that it went well, right? Like, that's a good deal. Yeah. That is a great deal. The best deal of the day. And I was going to say, like, the thing to do if you were a shopper on this day was find a big old expensive book mm-hmm. with a lot of pages and get that on the penny a day or yeah. penny a page day. And the best deal that someone got was on the manual of peritoneal dialysis. It's a nursing manual that normally retails for $159. Um, must be about a thousand pages long because one customer got the book for 10 bucks. Yep. So that is a good deal. Discount. I bet that the margin thing is related to why they didn't include picture books here. Like oh, at 36 pages, like 36 cents to buy a picture book that normally would retail for $25 might have just been a place they weren't quite willing to go. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I would love to know how many books Books a Million normally sells in Alabama mm-hmm. during a weekend. Like, uh, what kind of increase does this 35,000 books that were sold um, during the promotion reflect over 
their regular ones. I think. And. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and how many of those 35,000 were sold? Because you could only do one per person per transaction. Mm, So, like, is that 35,000 books total? Or was that 35,000 books sold with the coupon? Right. Plus whatever else people bought. You take your biggest book of the day and get the promotion on it. But you're also still picking up a few others. Yeah. That's a good question. That's my question about that. I need more data. (laughs) Um, Not surprised to see Joanna Gaines on here because Magnolia Table has been the best-selling nonfiction title of the year at like 670-something thousand copies Mm. sold. But also a big, beautiful like cookbook lifestyle book is a great thing Mm -hmm. to get this kind of promotion on because those do tend to be pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, Really... Really interesting stuff. I'm Michael Crichton, you mentioned, was one of the top yeah. authors. Jurassic Park was one of yep. the best-selling books, which that's a big book in mass market paperback. And the penny-a-page deal might actually not be that much of a better price than right. like, the mass market paperback price regularly is. I was delighted to see that the top five fiction picks included Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan, yes. which is such a fun book. Um that series is so great. And I be- the movie's coming out next week, I think. The 15th, August the 15th. 15th. I okay. literally have it on my calendar. <laughs> oh, if only we lived in the same city and could make it I a thing. No, if only. Uh, that's a really interesting promotion from Books A Million. I wonder if we'll see it in other states. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about, too. Will they do it again? And what states will they do it in? And the fact that they picked a Wednesday is interesting to me because mm-hmm. that does, li- it's not like it's a Saturday when you have all day to go to the bookstore, right? right? So I'm curious to see how they decide, if they decide and how they decide to replicate it. Yeah, that'll be fun to see. And I would w- love to know also, like, why Alabama? Like, is Alabama mm. a representative market for where Books a Million is? Is it like their smallest market? And so they were like, well, if we lose a jillion dollars, at least right. we'll lose it in our smaller market rather than yeah. in, in like New York. Right. Uh, lots of questions. But one of the more creative, and mm-hmm. I think easy to explain to customers promotions that we've seen from a big box bookseller in a while. Yeah. Um, I'm not scratching my head about this the way that we have a lot of head scratching on this right. show about no. Barnes and Noble in no. particular. Yeah, this is a very clear promotion and very easy to execute. I, I always think about this from the retail perspective, like, okay, the person who's running the cash register, how hard is this going to be to execute? But this one's super easy. You flip open the book, you look at the page count and you type in the number. Like, Perfect. could not be easier. Doesn't require reprogramming anything. Although I will say I wonder if they did well clearly they tracked the title so they must have adjusted the price that way anyway sorry now I'm like falling down a rabbit hole of execution we don't need to go down that rabbit hole I bet there was just like a handy piece of coding that was done for like what's the ISBN how many pages are associated with this ISBN divide by 100 Maybe. I mean, the easier thing to, yeah, it, that rules out human error, but my belief in um, retail operating systems is low. <laughs> so, I mean, unless they have something fancy, which is possible, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I just like to believe in the power of well, technology, Jen. I, I'm sorry to crush that belief. <laughs> Well, while we're talking about crushing beliefs, a couple weeks ago, Sharifa was on with me and we were looking at a study showing uh, a really significant dearth of representation of uh, black and minority ethnic authors in uh, UK books 
in general. Uh, and the abbreviation that The Guardian uses um, for this UK coverage is BME, Black and Minority Ethic, Ethnic, or BAME. And like th- very sadly, some new statistics from another study show that the representativeness um, and, and inclusivity in YA fiction in the UK is becoming less diverse since 2010. The percentage of young adults, young adult books written by Black and minority ethnic authors has declined since 2010, according to a study um, that looks at the UK's outdated publishing culture. Um, and they're attempting to take some rapid action to address what's clearly a systemic problem in the ranks. Uh, the study's author, Dr. Melanie Ramdarshan Bold at University College of London said that the there's evidence here of what many people already suspected. People of color are terribly underrepresented in books and bookish jobs. Um, and this is following on the heels, as I mentioned, of a study uh, that showed that uh, that was looking at character diversity in children's books and showing that only 1% of the books published in the UK last year had a black or minority ethnic main protagonist, which is even worse percentage-wise than uh, the numbers that we get here in the US. Uh, really, I guess, predictably disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it seems different from at least the anecdata trend that we're seeing in the US of these numbers going up. And I don't mean that diversity uh, is a trend, but that the numbers are trending in a positive direction for seeing increased representation. Um, we Need Diverse Books has really been active. Um, and we've had more, you know, big, popular, successful books um, by writers of color here in the U.S., I think, since 2010. But I'm not sure that we've seen these numbers. So I guess it's possible that the numbers haven't actually improved in the U.S. It just feels like they have. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, Jenny? I don't know. I mean, I know that like, numbers exist for the U.S., but it's been a minute since I looked mm-hmm. at them. Um, I was thinking about this and trying to decide, like, how is it surprising or is it not surprising? And I was thinking about Brexit, for example. Mm. And, like, if you have a population that is feeling isolationist enough to vote something like that through, then perhaps this is not, like, perhaps these are both part of the same uh. sort of atmosphere i don't i don't know what the word i want is here but <laughs> yeah and and you know the the article notes that 13% of the uk population has a minority background and so like i mean these numbers they are just dismal and it it also kind of reframed for me you know the penguin random house diversity initiative that was announced oh, yeah. you know mm-hmm. the right now program um and 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 I think obviously I think that that's a good thing, but I think it's worth noting as the author of the study did that there are there are people of color are underrepresented in bookish jobs, and that mm-hmm. goes all the way down. That like affects everything all the way down to you know which books are on the shelves. And the article also notes that even if we were necessarily publishing more authors of color, do they get the marketing dollars? Right. And that answer is often no. And then those books don't succeed. And so then publishers don't seek out more and it's a mm-hmm. vicious feedback cycle, right? Like you publish more of the things that sell well, but something can't sell well if people don't know where to find it or that it exists. So there's just, I mean, it. every time we talk about 
diversity in publishing, it's like it, it's this snarly tangle of cause and effect because there are so many feedback cycles in publishing and so many of them have been broken or toxic for so long that it's hard to like, okay, well, mm-hmm. where are we, where do you even start? I mean, obviously there's lots of places that we should start and places that people are starting. Um, and We Need Diverse Books is a great example of what you can do when you get some marketing behind yeah. these books. You know, they do well, so... Yeah, that marketing piece I do think is so critical. And we've spent a lot of time talking about all those elements of this cycle on this show over the last few years that like, I think James Patterson is kind of a perfect example of the feedback loop of mm-hmm. um, he's sold a million books. So he gets a million dollars in marketing money. And then shocker, he mm-hmm. sells a million more books and the publisher concludes from that result, people want James Patterson books rather than we can successfully market James Patterson books to readers. And when they do, you know, try something different and put marketing dollars behind books by authors of color, they discover that readers want those books too. Surprise. Uh, And I do think it's one of those cases where like, you know, those studies that show that like if women speak for 25% of a meeting, men perceive them as dominating the conversation, Mm -hmm. or it's like, this, this must be some kind of outlier. It's perceived as a a bigger thing that, um, we, we've heard stories I know privately. And, um, most people within the industry have heard stories from authors of color who have experienced things like, oh, we've tried publishing books like this and people just don't want them. And the publisher has neglected to consider like, well, we tried publishing the book and we didn't put any marketing dollars behind it and that's why Mm -hmm. it didn't sell. But authors get rejections for that reason or like, oh, we already have a black book Mm -hmm. on the list this season. Um, Really important to give these books the same kind of shot that you give books by your popular white guy authors and see what happens. Um, But a bummer to see that the numbers are steadily declining in the UK. Um, I hope that we'll see more initiatives like the Penguin Random House UK initiative you were mentioning to try to address some of those turtles in yeah, the stack right. of turtles. It is. There are so many turtles. Like we need to hire more people of color in publishing. We need to publish more books by people of color. More books need to be diverse in terms mm-hmm. of characters. And those books need to get marketing dollars. Like it's, it is a multi-pronged approach and we should hopefully, you know, publishing will work on all of them. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, one of the people who's quoted in the article says that we have a collective responsibility as publishers, booksellers, agents, librarians, educators, and readers to redress these imbalances. And I think, you know, obviously here at BookRite, we definitely feel that way. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's why we have editorial guidelines for this stuff, because, yeah, if people don't know it's out there, then they can't buy it and read it. So I just I just feel like this is one of those pieces that I will be referring to as a, like, people are like, oh, there's no, there's no diversity problem in publishing. <laughs> I'll be like, actually, we ac- have receipts. Well, actually, yes, here are the receipts. Here are some, here are some very like data driven receipts. Have, have mm-hmm. some receipts. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll have links for this in the show notes. If you want to dive further into those numbers, but at the very least, nice to have data confirmation of, Uh, of a trend that some people don't want to acknowledge or of a problem that many people don't wish to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jen, now it is your turn to tell me about a sponsor. It's my turn. 
And I'm very excited to tell you all about the Great Courses Plus because there is so much to be gained by exploring the small details of extraordinary stories. And with the Great Courses Plus, there is always something new to discover. So the Great Courses Plus gives you unlimited access to learn about anything that interests you. There are thousands of fascinating lectures to stream on topics like history, literature, science, how to draw or take better photos or appreciate wine. And they're all presented by passionate, engaging experts. And you can watch or listen anytime, anywhere with the Great Courses Plus app. Uh, They recommend their course, How Great Science Fiction Works, which I will absolutely be checking out (laughs) since science fiction is my wheelhouse. Right up there. Right in the white hot center. It discusses the history and evolution of science fiction from Frankenstein to Interstellar and explores archetypes like robots, aliens, and dystopian societies. I'm really delighted to hear that there is an app for this because I have, this is, I'm going to tell you a really nerdy story right now. Mm -hmm. I have this lovely memory of like going on longer car trips with my dad and we would listen. It would just be the two of us for whatever reason. And we would listen, like he would be driving me to summer camp and we would Mm -hmm. listen to a great courses like on tape in the, you know, the tape deck of the car, like put it in and we would listen to like something about like, I don't know, Bertrand Russell or whatever. (laughs) And I know, and it's so nerdy, but it was such a, like, I have such a good memory of this. And we would be like, we would have to pause it to be like, Oh, did you know this thing? Or, Oh, that's so interesting. And yeah, I know, I know I'm a big nerd. Um, um, but it's it's really it is I love falling down those rabbit holes of like deep dives into specific topics and that is what this is designed to do and like great science how great science fiction works like yes let's talk about all of the different ways that pacing and influences and archetypes and you know dystopias how do they engage us and how why are we so fascinated with them and all of those things so how great science fiction works in particular is very very interesting to me and I bet to lots of you. Mm-hmm. So you can get a free trial with unlimited access to the entire library by signing up at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash bookriot. So yes, you can sign up for your free trial now at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash bookriot. Got it? Thegreatcoursesplus.com slash bookriot. I know it's long, but you can do it uh, to get the special offer. I will be, I will definitely be listening along with you. <laughs> Nerd. I'm a big nerd. What can I say? I just love the notion of like a family road trip where you're <laughs> listening to a course about Bertrand Russell. I, it's perfect. And that is a real thing that happened. I don't think you could invent that story. Nope. And you know, you know, it was just me and my dad because if any other member of the family had been in the car, it never would have flown. <laughs> like never. I don't care. I mean, all of us are nerds, but like this is like a special yeah. level of nerdery that really is is my dad and I in terms of our family. <laughs> so it's wonderful. It is a good time. Yeah. It's, it's Jen family stories. Always a good one. Yeah. Um, can we talk about this ancient public library now? Yeah, please. I have actually intentionally not clicked on this since oh, I saw you put it in the show notes because I wanted to be surprised by whatever the news was. All right. Well, They, in the course of building a new community center in central Cologne in France, they discovered a, like, huge 2,000-year-old public library. 
what happened was <laughs> what what two thousand yeah. year old? Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. So they found these ruins in the course of construction, right, for a new church community center, and they thought that it could have been the ruins of a public meeting hall. But the way that the, it was laid out with these like niches in the walls, like are they're specifically the depth and width that you would need to hold rolled up papyrus or parchment. Oh my gosh. Yes. So now they believe that it is actually a Roman public library from between 150 and 200 AD. So cool. So cool. And so they, uh, one of of the researchers says that he estimates the building could have held up to 20,000 scrolls, which is enormous and it is like they believe it to be the oh go ahead oh i was like how do they know it was probably a library and not just like document storage um interesting question it does not say specifically but they the location like the fact that it's in the middle of Mm. sort of the city meant that it was definitely like to them meant that it was some kind of public structure okay and then they thought it was like they were like oh they probably stored like statues it's like you know a place you would go Mm. for meetings but like no the niches are in a very specific width scroll size scroll size exactly thousand scrolls yeah they think it's the oldest no, oh, excuse me, Cologne, Germany. Not I said France. I don't know what's wrong with me today. They, it's the oldest known public library in Germany, as far as they know. Wow. Yeah. So I just think that's awesome. <laughs> like that's amazing, <laughs> and also like a lovely sort of dig in the ribs to that yeah. recent spate of like, why do we even need libraries <laughs> anyway? Like. Y'all, like, libraries have been been around for forever for very good reasons. A 2,000-year-old building, and it'll be visible from the new underground parking lot. Right, that cracks me up. (laughs) Like, oh, you can see the ancient library from the parking lot. Awesome. (laughs) It's such a nice, like, modern life dichotomy. Park for this community center. Also, like, have a moment of wonder at a 2,000-year-old library structure. Yes. You know what else is interesting to me is that they were literally building a new public building and found an old public building, which, when I think about, like, city layout and land use, makes perfect sense. But it's kind of nice for me to see that, like humans don't change that much in terms of how they want to use spaces at the centers mm-hmm. of their communities. Mm-hmm. And that makes me really happy. Yeah, that is really nice. Very cool. This is now I'm looking through it. These pictures are amazing. Oh yeah. The pictures are, I, I mean, you should definitely clink, uh, click on the link in the show notes because there are really cool pictures and there's links to more details about it. But uh, yeah, I'm super into this story. Just, just, this just made my week when I found it. Very cool. Um, this is just a hard right turn to yeah. the next story. So we're just going to make that turn without, <laughs> without a smooth segue. Um, but the last year or so have brought us a few surprise titles by big political figures, the biggest one being Fire and Fury, which came out very quickly. Um, and then James Comey's book had a longer publishing timeline, but still not like as long as a typical publishing timeline. The latest uh, Trump White House memoir that's coming by surprise is coming out from Omarosa Manigault Newman, uh, originally of The Apprentice fame. And she will have a book coming out. It's apparently already finished. It's coming out on August 14th. Um, And it's a tell-all about her experience being a former 
uh, Trump administration aide. The title is Unhinged, an insider's account of the Trump White House, which, uh, as this piece from CNN notes, uh, it suggests that it will not be flattering for the president or his allies. Uh, Fire and Fury remains the best-selling book of the year so far, according to Amazon's overall rankings. Makes sense why Gallery Books, which is a Simon & Schuster imprint, would have brought this book out as quickly as they possibly could, trying to ride that wave. Uh, so I'm really interested to see here how it will do uh, and if it will get that like big sort of big splash of insider tell-all uh, that Fire and Fury had or not. Do you have any uh, suspicions about how this one's going to go? You know, I I wonder because it seems to me that there could very well be insider tell-all fatigue. Mm. But Omarosa is a pop culture figure in a way that I don't know that for example Michael Wolf is, uh, right? Like they inhabit right. sort of different positions in our mm -hmm. awareness. Um and and I don't know if that works in her favor or not. Like, I have no idea. I don't yeah. know what to think about this one. I think it could go either way. Um, because I know that I personally have a ton of fatigue about these tells. Like, oh, another whole book to tell me that things are disorganized and that everything is a garbage fire. Like, thanks. Um, but I don't... I, I know that's not true for other people. And I do know that she has a lot of, you know, presence. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, what is, what will that mean? I don't know. I think it would be very surprising to me if it hit the same peak that Wolf's yeah. did because his was the first, right? Right. Yeah. I was kind of thinking that as well, that like some of the urgency around the Michael Wolf book was this book will contain revelations that might actually be the thing that start the ball rolling towards actually like bringing Trump down in some way. And so far those revelations have not that Michael Wolf made have not, you know, so people got a good juicy tell all read. And there are certainly some shocking pieces of information in the book, but it didn't have any like real life effect. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if the sort of the power of the tell all memoir um from this administration is just lessened because there's like there is not a dearth of material nope. presumably <laughs> here but the are are you just reading for that like voyeuristic look inside or for the outrage value because at this point it doesn't seem that there's a story yet that like the outrage or the crazy tell all details are actually going to have any effect uh, on the situation but i i get why she's making this move certainly why the publisher is putting the book out, but I, I do think there is some, maybe some fatigue or some like, I see it every day on Twitter. So how could a book possibly tell me something that's wilder <laughs> than, than what you already know in the news cycle? Yeah. And I think related is that the, the Bob Woodward book has been mm -hmm. announced, right? So, uh, and Woodward obviously is an investigative reporter and like a prize winning one. And he is releasing his book in September. So not that far away. Um, and he like, supposedly he has spoken with everyone, you know, like really in depth, like firsthand sources. And, and I just wonder if, like, is that the kind of book that will get, that will do better, which is certain to be less gossipy and less mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, 
I mean, for lack of a better phrasing, pop culture-y. Or relevant to pop culture. But might have, like like you're talking about, like what are the, like, you know, actually potentially having real-world consequences? Is that book more likely to do that than Mm -hmm. this one? Uh, So, I mean, I guess there's room for all of them, but I don't know how much room on the bestseller list there is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this goes anywhere or not. Yeah. So. So, August 14th, I guess we'll find out. I guess we will. All right. Well, I think that's a show, Jen. That sounds good to me. Thank you for being with me this week. It was lovely to have you on. I always enjoy coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you to our sponsors, Mac Weldon. You can go to MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code BOOKRIOT at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Enter to win 16 of the books from our seasons of the recommended podcast so far by going to BookRiot.com slash recommended three. That is the number three. Get $10 off your first Google Play audiobook by going to g.co slash play slash BookRiot and get one month of free unlimited access to everything they've got at The Great Courses Plus by going to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Book Riot. You can find all of the links that we discussed in this week's show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. And we will see you back next week. Have a good one. Do you count out or no? 